One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition, a Friday edition of our Work-Life Balance. So excited to have you guys back. And wow, what a response to last week's show. Thank you guys uh, so much for those of you that have been reaching out to me via Twitter and Facebook and everything else of last week's show. is really, really a special show to me. If you missed it, of course, you can hit rickamorris.com or go to rsquareconsulting.com, hit the Work-Life Balance tab, uh, and find the show. Of course, always go to voiceamerica.com, find the Work-Life Balance uh, but it was really a special show to me. I got a chance. Uh, I was in Granbury, Texas last week uh, and had a chance to sit down with my older brother, Ron Thomas, uh, Chief Warrant Officer 4 uh, in in the Army, retired now. Uh, but got a chance to sit down and just share some stories with my older brother, somebody I look up to very much. Uh, and it turned out to be a fantastic show. Also, uh, have a few people reaching out to me and finding the old show uh, with Brittany Wagner. Uh, now that uh, the second season of Last Chance U has dropped, uh, we did catch up with her after the first season, so we're trying to reach out to Brittany, get her back on the show, and uh, kind of find out what the response has been uh, now that second season has dropped. So we'll, Brittany now is here in Birmingham, uh, so uh, we're going to reach out to her and, and try to get her back on the show. So another crazy week, as always. Uh, went uh, back and forth to Granbury, Texas, as you heard. I uh, was in Atlanta for a little bit uh, and, and now have settled back home. Uh, for the rest of the week, get to be home all week next week. So that's always exciting for me. Uh, not a whole lot planned in the month of August in terms of travel. So that's exciting. Uh, until we get to August 25th, that's going to be a big uh, date. Uh, August 25th uh, through the 29th, we'll be out at the uh, live event with John Maxwell in Orlando, Florida. So for all of our Maxwellites and GMT members, looking forward to seeing you guys again in Orlando. We follow that right back up uh, on uh, September 2nd and 3rd. We'll be out at DragonCon in Atlanta. That's always a fun event. Uh, I take my daughter, her friends. Uh, so for those of you that are going to be attending DragonCon with us, I look forward to seeing you guys. And then, of course, September 11th through the 13th is our big resource planning summit, San Antonio, Texas. So we look forward to seeing you guys there. Um, and uh, we've got much, much more coming up in terms of appearances. So we look forward to seeing all of our friends, uh, family, and fans of the show out and about when we're around. So let's get to today's show. Really excited about today's show. It's somebody who's uh, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and, and I'm going to do a little bit of a lead in. I'll get to her bio and, and bring her onto the show. But as a lot of you know, um, I try to be as socially aware as possible. And, and uh, you know, when I first uh, uh, was starting out, uh, and, and my daughter was born, I started my first foundation. And, and so I, I built a foundation. It was called the Ramsey Foundation, named after my beautiful daughter, Ramsey. And I, I started to try to build a funded foundation. And as I started to apply for grants and look for funding, I felt horrible. I was like, you know, what if I did get funding? There, there's some beautiful charities and, and things around town that I felt like if I got funding, I would be taking something away. And so I, I stepped back from trying to fund a 501c3 and said, how could I give back? And, and at the time, you know, I was barely scraping by as a as a young father in in, in trying to to get my career going, but I really wanted to find a way to give back and and, and start to really give back to the community. So I started to search for organizations that I believed in. In again, having a, a brand new daughter, 
uh, wanted to find something that was kind of in line with with what I was going through. And I found this wonderful organization called Success by Six, which was really focused on that zero to six demographic in town. And I did my first project for a a nonprofit. We, We did a great project, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. But that's where I really got this fire for what we do for live, a living as project managers and how that really could benefit in the, in the leadership things that we do, the project management things that we could do, how that could benefit our community and how we really need to be taking the skill sets that we do for a living and, and utilizing those and giving back to the community. So it's really not about, you know, of course, dollars are, are fantastic, but a lot of times when it comes to giving and, and being a part of the nonprofit community, I'll tell you, volunteering time and donating some of those precious skill sets is really what they're after. So when I got involved with Success by Six, I met this wonderful individual, and and we've really been connected since. And every time I have an opportunity to give back or to donate something or to do something, this is the first person I call in town because of what I know she's going to do with those resources and and how she values people and values time. Uh, She is right now the executive director for Child Care Resources, which is a nonprofit United Way of Central Alabama partner, child care resource and referral agency. And so under her leadership, the agency has achieved national quality assurance for best practices from Child Care Aware of America. The agency is also authorized to offer continuing education units through the International Association for Continuing Education and Training. Prior to joining Child Care Resources, she served as the first Success by Six director for the United Way of Central Alabama. And during her time there, she successfully developed, implemented, and expanded a reading readiness initiative for four-year-olds attending local child care and Head Start programs. And as a matter of fact, while she was there, one of the projects we did was build several libraries for inner city children so that not only you know did we do something, but it was something that could last and, and be there for a while. Uh, her career uh, before that was uh, delving into early childhood arena, uh, consisted of almost 20 years creating and managing innovative fitness and recreation programs for people uh, with and without disabilities. In 2012, she was awarded the Nonprofit CEO of the Year Award by the Birmingham Business Journal. Uh, she's a graduate of Spring Hill College and has completed two leadership development programs, Momentum, a women's leadership development program, and Leadership Birmingham. Uh, she's also served as a board member and officer of several nonprofit agencies, uh, has been a presenter at child care provider conferences, United Way campaign events, and elite athlete swim clinics. Uh, she served as a uh, uh, I, I can't even read that, for a parish uh, school of religion and uh, St. Peter the Apostle uh, Catholic Church for 10 years. Uh, she's married with two daughters, so let's bring her to the show, my friend, Joan Wright. Joan, how you doing? Great, Rick, especially after that wonderful introduction. I'm like, who is he talking about? <laughs> who is this person? So well, I'm, I'm talking about great. my Thank great friend. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> of course. We've done yeah. a, lot of, a lot of fun things, a lot of uh, uh, great work uh, together, so... Yeah. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to us a little bit about that. What led you to that nonprofit world and why such a focus on on children? Well, I think it's an interesting journey to that, uh, Rick. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, First of all, I have to say I really believe in divine intervention. I believe that I'm where I am because this is where I need to be and it's where I'm supposed to be. So it's just a course of time and events and people that led to where I am today. Early on, I said I wanted to do something for children. I've always 
felt that I relate well with children, probably because I'm close in their size. <laughs> but uh, I've just always enjoyed children and seeing them grow and evolve and shape and become the wonderful person that they're really destined to be. So that's really what led me to having an affinity for children's programs. And so I basically took what my strength was, which was program development, and just applied it in areas of my work over time, which, as you said, span from recreational competitive swimming programs up to now um, working on early childhood issues through child care resources. And, and what are some of those big issues that you see, you know, right now that's kind of facing some of, you know, children and, and, and families today? What, what, what are some of the biggest issues that, that you're seeing today? Well, the timing of this interview is really great, Rick, because we are just leaving Montgomery, Alabama, where we spent the day at a conference all around children and families. And there recently was a needs assessment conducted all across the 67 counties in Alabama to assess really what are those pressing needs for children and families. And the top three were, of course, um, drug and alcohol addiction issues. Um, family engagement was the second one, and then the third one was mental health. And I was just speaking to someone about this the other day. I had already known these top three indicators of the needs in Alabama, and they're really, truthfully, very interrelated. And when I look at the work we do with children and with families, it really can impact those three issue areas because if, if children are better supported, if families have resources to help them be the best they can be for their children, then you're less likely to end up with substance abuse issues, less likely to have mental health issues. And so that is what excites me about our work is that we cut across several areas that directly impact individuals, impact families, and impact communities. So that's that's what we work on. We also talked today about the cost of different programs, and prevention programs by far cost the least, but they have the greatest impact, and unfortunately, most budgets of even an organization or a statewide system tend to direct more of their dollars to uh, the remedial remediation programs and targeted programs once something has already happened with a person, and we talked about how if we could do more on the front end of prevention, we would have much better individuals and communities and societies. And so that's why we're a part of that work is to be on the front end to help give children a quality early start and to support their families so that they can be the best that they can be as they evolve into adults. So what is the uh, the, the main mission uh, of child care resources? What, what would you say is, is the main draw? Well, just to summarize our mission, I always say we're here to give children the best start in life so they can be the best they can be later in life. Word for word, our mission is to make quality care and education of children happen by providing information, assistance, and resources to families, individuals, or individual providers in the community. And so when you break that down, what we're really doing is keeping children at the center of our work and recognizing that in order for children to do well, we need to support those people that have influence over children, certainly their families and any care provider that may be involved with that child. And then the community, when it is strong and healthy and vibrant, it provides better opportunities for those children as they 
mature through school and life. That's amazing, and and what a great calling that is. And and yeah. you know we're gonna we're gonna be bouncing up here against the break in just a second. But I think okay, you know just to to hook the listeners into what we're gonna be exploring, we've got a lot to talk about because one of the. I think a, a few of the things that I want to, to bring out of you within, you know, the, this program, you know, I want to hear some of your favorite success stories. Uh, I want to oh, yeah. hear some of the the tough things that uh, you've had to go through in, in running this. And then, of course, we're going to talk about some of my my favorite things, which is the fairy tale ball. And then eventually we'll, we'll discuss uh, the project that you and I have going together uh, which is the Live Delete event. So all of yep. that is going to be coming up here in in the next few segments as we discuss the work-life balance with Joan Wright. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand. They are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. 
And we are back with Joan Wright, the Executive Director for Child Care Resources. And Joan, as you know, my listeners tune in because we try to give a little bit of work and a little bit of life, that perfect balance. And, uh, you know, the the biggest thing that I see in, in families and family dynamics today is that, you know, in the biggest thing that I try to protect for organizations today is, you know, I feel like people are just having to put in 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks. It's just the fact of life today. Right. And with that, you know, you were just talking about, you know, the top three issues that are facing families and that fa- family engagement being one of those. So talk to me about, you know, the mission of your organization and, and how you help and, and how can people find that w- with your organization? Right. And again, Rick, both of us are working parents and have been since our children were small. And I find that oftentimes working families may face challenges that perhaps are not faced in families where um, maybe one adult is able to stay home with the children, especially in the early years. And so, for example, one of the things that we find in our work is that working families tend to be more stressed. A lot of times they feel badly for having to leave their child in childcare so they can go and work and support their career. But at the same time, uh, I was just recently reading about an author who is a working mom, and she wrote a book about her experience being a working parent and how she wants her child to understand that just because she's not there all the time with her child, she can still take time to read a short story with her child when she is there. So she wrote these short stories about what am I doing when I'm not with you? Where, where am I when you don't know where I am? And it's to help the child see that it's my mom is playing an important role. My mom is helping others in the community. My mom is providing a service, whether they be out actually in the service, like your brother, and we thank him for that, or they're helping to take care of someone's medical needs or their education needs. So uh, it's important that we help parents realize that their number one job is being their child's best and first teacher and their best and greatest supporter. And we want them to know that while you may be performing some other work outside the home or, for example, in your case, maybe within the home, that you're still giving your child an opportunity to learn, to grow to see that they can achieve, to see that they can become something and contribute to their own space and time as they evolve and become an adult. One story that particularly comes to mind is a mother that came to us a few years ago because, unfortunately, her husband had to serve some time in prison, and she found herself suddenly faced to having to be a single parent. And got a job where she had been at a very large financial institution in our area for many years. And so she was faced with, well, what am I going to do now that I'm basically a single-wage earner for my young daughter who was around two, two and a half at the time? And she contemplated her options. She said, well, you know, maybe I could move to Huntsville where I have family. Maybe they could help take care of my child, but that would mean giving up a job that I've already been established. And this was at a time when our economy was a little tougher than it is now. And it was better to keep the job you had rather than try to find a new job, especially in a new town. So she didn't really pursue that. So then she thought, well, maybe I can go around and find some help. You know, there's all kinds of uh, entities out there, government support, other agencies. Perhaps I could qualify for some help. Well, 
this is what we find at some of our working family space is that they're trapped in that gap of being above the below and below the upper. They're working. They're trying to become self-sufficient. They want to support their family, but yet they don't qualify for any kind of help. And when she would go knocking on doors, she was told, hey, you know, honey, listen, you got a job. You're earning an income. Come back to us when you're not working anymore. Well, that's not a very dignified way for her to live her life and model an example for her child. So that wasn't an option for her. Well, she was persistent. She kept looking around and, you know, exploring her options. And fortunately, she found out about child care resources. And when she knocked on our door, her experience was quite different. She was met with welcome, open arms, brought in and said, yes, we can help you and we want to support you. So she became uh, enrolled in our supplemental child care program, which we affectionately call Scoop, like a scoop of ice cream. And she um, began to receive financial assistance benefits that were paid directly to her child's child care provider. And when her company offered a day of service for her to be able to volunteer somewhere in the community, she immediately came to us and said, I want to spend my day of service with child care resources and do some work here at your facility that will show a way of thanks for all the support you've given me. Well, fast forward about two years later, her uh, child aged into being eligible for our state-funded pre-K program, and she was able to enroll her child in a free, high-quality state-funded pre-K program, which meant she no longer needed our services. Her husband had completed his time in prison, and they were getting um, him transitioned back into the community and were getting ready to be reunited as a family. And that is a story that I love to share with people because it's just one example of many families like this mother who didn't give up, who sought out the resources, And because of wonderful supporters like yourself and others in the community, we were able to help her and turn her story into something that impacted her entire family. And that's amazing. And, and, you know, what's interesting about that, that, that's an individual story. And I want to build on that. And I don't know, and and I may be speaking out of turn, Joan, and I don't know if this project was when you were still with Success by Six or not, um, or if it was child care resources. And, and I'm, I'm going back to the UAB uh, School of Dentistry project that we did together. Right. Mm-hmm. Was that Success yes. by Six? That was when I was at Success by Six, yeah. But still, let's let let's build on that story for a second. Because mm-hmm. what I found interesting about that is, is there, there are so many people who do so many individual contributions that mm-hmm. if you know we require leadership and, and you know what I do for a living is that program portfolio management. And so you know right. I, and right now I'm speaking directly to you know if you're a Kiwanis club leader or you know any of Rotary club leader, and I know that they need to do these projects for children. But so many of them just look and focus on singular projects that they have to do that if they got together and said, you know we still will complete our singular project, but if we did that in such a way that each singular project built onto a bigger program, because that project, and, and I know that you were one of the spearheads of that, was such a brilliant thing where, and, and I'll tell the story in, in 10 seconds or less, but essentially the United Way Success by Six, I organized the Kiwanis Clubs and the Project Management Institute 
But we got, what, 65, 70 children from, from disadvantaged areas within Alabama married to the UAB School of Dentistry who needed volunteers to, to get their hours of, of work so that they get their dentist license and, and you know, put two needs together into a wonderful day, right? So we got yeah. a bunch of children free dental care and satisfied some students' needs. I mean, that yeah. was a brilliant yeah. project. Mm-hmm. And again, reflecting on what we were talking about at our conference earlier today, is that's the kind of thinking we need to have. It's, you might start with an individual in mind that you want to have a positive impact, but it really does have a much broader reach if you're able to engage others. I firmly believe in a team approach. Together, everyone achieves more. I know that sounds kind of trite, but you know, you you can even relate it to Stephen Covey's work of synergy. You know, um, one plus one normally equals two, but when a couple comes together and they have a child, all of a sudden one plus one equals three. And that's how I look at our work is we're far greater when we combine our efforts with others like you outlined in that project. We have a much broader reach. You have cost efficiencies realized because you're actually spending less per person that you serve, and you're able to reach a far greater number of people that will, again, have kind of a snowball effect of, well, we help this person, like the old Breck shampoo commercial. You tell two friends, and I tell two friends, and the next thing you know, we've impacted literally hundreds of people. And, I mean, I felt like that that was such a tip of the iceberg. I felt like we were really on our way to more and more types of projects like that. I put together a, a program and visited all the Kiwanis clubs to try to pitch that out. And it just kind of dies on a vine. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I, well, I know for you, that's got to feel very frustrating sometimes. In, in I, I did a whole show uh, about four or five weeks ago comparing myself to Sisyphus, right? Pushing, pushing oh, the rock right. up the hill, right? And yes, that's got to yes, be yes. your world sometimes in the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, our work is not always easy. There's challenges. Um, There are times of frustration. There's disappointment. You know, for example, not everyone who needs your help wants your help, and sometimes the people you're really trying to reach are the ones who run from you the most. Um, And then sometimes people have great plans and great dreams and intentions, and it just can't really seem to come together, can't come to fruition. But Again, what keeps me going at those times is the story like what I just described to you. You know, that, that story, that one story can help be a bright spot, can help be a light that says, you know what, it's still worth it. I, I recall shortly after I started at Child Care Resources, uh, I started there in fall of 2007. Well, of course, you know, fast forward 10 months, we all know what happened. You know, the economy tanked. Um, think people shut their doors, people closed their pocketbooks, and it was a terrible time. And one of our primary funders, due to no fault of our own, I mean, we were reporting like we should, we were meeting our goals like we should, our budget was cut by 25%. And I had to let people go. You know, it was a very dismal time. Here I am, you know, just starting out, uh, taking over the reins of a great organization, and I'm facing with having to let people go and having to figure out how we're going to do the same with less. And it was, it was kind of a dark time, but I used that to say, 
you know what? These are the times when you utilize your skills, when you utilize your leadership abilities, you reach out to your closest network, your circle of influence, and you say, how can we get through this together? And that that's what I've learned over time is there's going to be ups and downs. And, you know, overall, you hope that your ups outweigh your downs. And uh, a strong leader, to me, keeps that in mind and keeps that in focus that we don't have to let every setback be what is, you know, the end of this particular ride. We just need to ride it out and know that there's still light out there and we just keep persevering. We, we will be able to get through and we'll still continue to impact people. Yeah, but I think, honestly, being a CEO of a nonprofit, you have to be the eternal optimist. You, you know, CEO of a for-profit company, you've got that high salary, and you, you basically tell people to do stuff. But when you're leading, essentially, volunteers, or, you know, because yeah. your salary is pennies on the dollar to the open market. It, it just is. Yeah. It just yeah. is. Because you every yeah. dollar you're paying in salary is a dollar that could go to the program. So it just right. it, it just yeah. is what it is. And so yeah. you have to be the uh, the most optimistic person, period. And, and it, it can become the most frustrating job. So we're going to take a break here real quick. And, and speaking of that, maybe we can grab some lessons from Joan on how do you lead um, when you don't have the normal tools, um, such as, you know, giving people raises, giving them days off. Um, and and when, when you are in some of those dark times and you've got to, you know, pull up by the bootstraps and get things done, um, you know, what are some of those influential lessons she's learned? So maybe we can get some of those from her when we come back. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? 
In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the work-life balance. So right before we went into break, we started talking about leading volunteers. And and I've been a member of many volunteer organizations, uh, one of those being PMI, the Project Management Institute. And I volunteered, uh, I think, for seven to eight years. And the interesting thing about leading volunteers is, you know, volunteers lead with their heart and, and generally they follow their passions. It's it's interesting because you you go to a board meeting and and you dole out assignments and everybody is all in, baby. They're like, yeah, man, we're going to rule the world until it's time to actually do the work. And then you will not hear or see any of these people again. They won't answer your phone calls. And then generally the president of the organization ends up doing all the stuff or apologizing to the members why things didn't actually get done. I mean, it is you want to talk about herding cats, or leading horse to water. It's, it's essentially that. So I can't imagine, Joan, uh, how many times people have sat across from your desk promising you the world, whether that be donations, promising you fundraisers, promising you, and again, you being the eternal optimist, but, not, but, but also people that show up to volunteer and then just never come through. I mean, that's got to be frustrating. But do you have some tips on, on continuing to motivate you know, volunteers or what it's like to lead volunteers? Yes, I, I think not only do you need to be an eternal optimist, but you also need to be an eternal realist, too. So you got to keep it real, as the young people say, if they still say that. And what I mean yeah, by allowed. that is, <laughs> okay, um, recognize that not everyone is going to do what they say they're going to do. Certainly, you have a group of people who will say what they think you want to hear or what may sound good to them and make them feel good about themselves. And you want to be supportive. You want to be able to think that they're going to follow through. But in the back of your mind, you need to have a backup plan for in the event that this person or group is not able to follow through with what they said, I'm still at the end of the day going to be responsible for the results. And so you also have to have, to me, an attitude of accountability, sort of like an, if, it's up to, if it's up to me or if it has to be, it's up to me kind of thing. And that doesn't mean you need to be a control freak and drive everyone away because you have such mistrust in people and you are in such in control, you won't let people be involved. But sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes volunteers like, well, I wanted to help, but they shot down every idea I suggested. Or um, I tried to help, but then they came in and 
said, no, no, I'll do it, I'll do it. And, and you can't be a one-person show. You really can't. You have to find that balance of who are the people that I can count on and what's my backup plan when things happen. Because sometimes it's not just that the person's intentions have no follow-through. People have lives and things do come up. You know, people get sick. Um, people end up moving out of town unexpectedly. And so you have to recognize that, that there, these people do have real lives. And, you know, their job circumstances may change unexpectedly. And their family circumstances may change unexpectedly. So, again, be thoughtful. Be prepared to be able to pick up the pieces if they aren't able to do what they said they wanted to do. And, and remember that you need to also show support. One of the skills I learned early on at United Way is that when we did have volunteers come in and lead committees and such like that, that our role as a key staff person was to be their support. We were to make them appear successful. Uh, we were the ones to send out the meeting reminders. We were the ones to get agendas ready. We were the ones to have the data available for the volunteer and their talking points ready for them because they are the volunteer and they're not going to have access to the resources, the information that you may have, and they're not going to maybe have the time to have things prepared. And so you get things ready for them and you help them be successful and then you let the light shine on them. You don't, you know, take the spotlight and say, yes, I did all this. You you say, thank you, Mr. So-and-so. Thank you, Mr. Morris, for what you're doing. We appreciate it. Um, here's what you need. Here's what you need to say to the other volunteers. And then other volunteers see that, and they say, wow, look at look at Rick go. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like Rick. I work. I have family. If he can do this, you know, I can do this, too. And so... It does take time to build that with your volunteers, um, but again, you just have to keep at it and make sure you're helping them feel supported and you know recognize them and also thank them. That's one of the biggest things you can do to keep people motivated is to let them know you appreciate them, you appreciate what they're doing, and you you want to see them be successful. Yeah, and that's that's the hardest part, uh, you know. And I've seen it both directions. Um, you know, we we put together a very very um, uh, what's the what's the word I'm searching for a lofty project together. Right. Uh, three that. different, yeah, three different PMI chapters involved. It was with the uh, National Safe Place Network, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so I knew some people there. I uh, got a project management system donated to them. Um, I wanted to get several different chapters involved and, and volunteers involved to, to show that, you know, we were really giving back and what could happen if we got multiple groups involved. They had three, you know, their headquarters were in Knoxville. They had a group in Chicago. Um, and so I really wanted to get the different chapters involved and get some volunteer work done. So I pulled together a whole project plan, got volunteers organized, and then it just died on a vine. You know, it's, yeah. but yeah. but on both sides, you know, both the, the yeah. charity and and PMI, you know. And, and so mm-hmm. and part of that, you know, I fizzled then. You know what I mean? I had all this gusto, was really pulling it together, yeah. and, and then I lost yeah. my desire to push. So, right, right. Um, you know, so that can that can be frustrating uh, at, at times on, on either side. Um, but then there's yeah, those like, times like uh, when I saw the, the dental day, I thought was one of the most amazing things I was ever a part of. Yes, yes. And, and when you do have that um, mix of light ingredients where you have uh, an understanding, knowledgeable, resourceful 
uh, paid staff combined with supported and well-resourced uh, volunteers, then you can achieve beautiful things. And again, when you talk about well, what keeps you going, you, you know, I'm not trying to be you know, Pollyanna here, but you do have to find those things that do keep you going because there are times when things do work well and you, you just ride on that wave of we did have success here and we were able to achieve here and that can help build. One, one way I've seen this evolve with our own board is um, a few years ago we, we did our strategic plan and we had a board member lead that effort and one of the things that he said is, you know, there needs to be a way to hold the board accountable and to make sure that they recognize they have a role to play in achieving this strategic plan. And that really made a significant difference in our volunteers' attitudes, in their engagement in meetings. And so now, board meetings should not be the executive director's show. They should be about the volunteers speaking to one another and articulating the message and the data and the results. And now we see board members creating their own presentations for a board meeting. We see them taking ownership and following through on their tasks. And it, it's been great, and it's been very encouraging. Yes, we still have the volunteer who's gung-ho, uh, you know, at the beginning, and then we put their name on our letterhead, and that's about the only time we ever see them. Um, and, you know, you're going to have that. But you have to celebrate the people who are doing what you want done and help them to model for others how you hope that other volunteers will be engaged in your work. By the way, though, that accountability model is not just in the nonprofit world. That that goes oh, no. across the board in leadership, period. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and, yes, and, definitely. But what I see more so in the nonprofit world than anything else, though, is a lot of board members who do just want to be able to say that they sit on the board. Yes, yes. And that is, that is disappointing. And that's one of the things that as we recruit volunteers, we, we really try to help them understand this is not a you know, put your name on our letterhead so we look impressive kind of board. We call ourselves a working board. And we say you're going to help us with fundraising. You're going to help us with events. You're going to provide governance and oversight. We want to make sure we're being fiscally responsible with our, you know, donor dollars. We want to be good stewards. We want, we need help getting our message out in the community. So we need you to be ambassadors. So we, we try to make sure we're very clearly sending that message, and again, as more and more of our board members are demonstrating that to their peers that they recruit to the board, then they come in with the understanding, okay, well, these are the expectations. And what I also find in best practices for nonprofits is the more you can have things written down and give that to your prospects as you're recruiting them for board engagement, it helps to minimize the miscommunication and the misunderstanding of expectation for sure and i guess my my board invitation was just lost in the mail i guess that's that's where that was because you know god knows <laughs> be, yeah. we're we're not engaged at all but anyway um so when we come back though because we're going to take our final break here and i want to make sure that okay. we don't miss this but for all of our listeners that are hanging on especially those in the birmingham area you are not going to want to miss Uh, this next event because we're going to talk about one of our favorite events and things that I know my kids and everybody looks forward to uh, one of the premier events in Birmingham every year we're going to discuss the fairy tale ball 
so when we come back, we're going to talk about what that is, what it means, and I know it is your your key fundraiser every year. Um, but uh, yep. we'll talk about that when we come back on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Work Life Balance with Rick Morris. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand. They are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back for the final segment of the show this week. And if I asked many people what August 26th means to them, some people may say, hey, that's the Mayweather-McGregor fight. But uh, if you live in Birmingham, Alabama, most people are going to say that is the date of the fairy tale ball. So, Joan, why don't you tell people what we mean when we say fairy tale ball? Great, Rick. Yes, the fairy tale ball is a fantastic evening. It's a time when families can come together at a wonderful, entertaining evening gala to benefit the children and families that we serve through child care resources. If you're looking for a fun night out where you can dress up and bring the kids to, this is the event for you. We will have live characters there, including some of your favorite 
Princesses, Cinderella, Belle. We're going to have Moana this year. We also have superheroes, Batman. We're going to have Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain America, I believe, will be making another appearance. And they will be joined by the awesome Star Wars characters, Stormtroopers, Darth Vader. It's just a wonderful evening. We have heavy hors d'oeuvres. We have dancing. We have a fantastic silent auction with some great treasures to win for your family. And we really look forward to having everyone come out to this, again, family-friendly gala that help can teach philanthropy early on to your family because it benefits the children and families we serve at Child Care Resources. So I can tell you, you know, my family and I have been many times, and, and so the kids dress up in whatever character they want to dress up in, so it's kind of like Halloween in August, and they just go nuts. There's a candy bar, um, so we sugar them up, then you throw them on the dance floor, uh, they dance the night away, uh, and then they come home exhausted, go to sleep. But it, it's really a night for the kids. I mean, they just have a ball. Um, and everybody yes, who's anybody in, in, in the town is there. Uh, so, you know, I, I you know, met the mayors. I've met, you know, anybody in business is there. I mean, it's it's an event. It's absolutely an event. Yes. You've never been. You need to be there. One of the uh, big items that will be on the silent auction list that we know of as well is, is we are donating a table to uh, Live to Lead. So for everybody yeah. who listens to our show every week, you know that we have announced the Live to Lead event, which is happening October 6th. Again, it's a simulcast event, so it's going to be happening all over the world, 250 countries. Uh, that's going to be happening 7.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Central. Uh, we are hosting our event at Ross Bridge. And uh, to, to be honest and truthful, we're putting our money where our mouth is. And our proceeds are going to benefit child care resources. So the the proceeds of that event is is going. We have already signed our donation papers to Joan. And, uh, and so we'll have a, a table uh, that we're going to be giving away at Fairytale Ball as well as part of the silent auction. So uh, people can bid on the table to come. It's going to be a great event. As well as Joan will be with us as the beneficiary at Live Delete, so she'll be uh, represented with her group, and and we're donating a table to to her organization to join us at the event on October sixth, and uh, the proceeds of the event also will be benefiting uh, childcare resources. So we're so excited to have you aboard for that, Joan. Looking forward to not only a fantastic fairy tale ball, uh, but the Live Delete event as well. Yes. It's great. I, I was so fortunate because of your kind, thoughtful generosity last year. I was able to attend the Live to Lead event in Birmingham last year, and I'm looking forward to this upcoming one. And in fact, as I was walking the halls of our offices um, a week or so ago, one of our staff was actually reading a John Maxwell book, and I was so pleased to tell her that you know we're going to get to take several staff to the Live to Lead event, and that I look for it as a great leadership opportunity, leadership development opportunity for our key staff. Well, and of course, then, uh, and, and we're still working out details, and I, I think I need to follow up on an email that you sent me as well, but... Uh, you know, excited to try to uh, pull off, uh, you know, it's a lofty goal, but uh, that's what volunteers do, but trying to organize a leadership conference here in town for our nonprofit community as well uh, through yeah, the Live definitely. to Lead uh, simulcast as well. So, you know, lots to come on that. We're going to try to pull that off, but, uh, 
you know, it's we're running out of time uh, before <laughs> before the deadline, and we're we're doing the best that we can to pull that off. But uh, you know, through your leadership, we'll, I know that we can make that happen. But um, um, there's one question I ask every guest of our show before we leave, and that is, what is the best advice you've ever been given? The best advice I've ever been given is by someone I admire greatly. Two women that I admire greatly who've come across my path um, very fortunately, and that is to get someone to mentor you. I um, hear that a lot, and I've had the opportunity to mentor some people um, in my work and in my time with um, child care resources and the leadership programs that I've been able to participate in um, have helped to shape and form me. But find someone that you can readily identify with. Find someone that you know, has achieved what you see yourself achieving and ask them to share their story with you because like you discussed today, Rick, we all have struggles in our work. We have achievements that keep us going and motivated and so do other successful people. And so if you can find someone who will spend a little bit of time with you to be that person that can help hold you up when the times are tough and when you are facing those struggles, and who can say, hey, you know, have you thought about this or have you considered that? Or did you realize that you really have this strength, you have this skill? Have you ever really pursued that or, or thought about that for yourself? That can really make a world of difference for yourself. And then do that person the greatest thank you you can ever give them and mentor someone else. That's fantastic. And finally, Joan, um, how do people find out about child care resources? Where they where can they find you on the web? Great. Our website is very simple. It's just www.ccr-bhm, that's B as in boy, H as in Harry, M as in Mary, dot org. And that's the best place to start. We have a very robust in our uh, website with um, some videos on it and some links to some of our publications where you can learn more about us. And, of course, all our social media channels are right there at the bottom of our website. Well, we appreciate you greatly for joining us. I look forward to seeing you uh, very, very soon. We've got lots of work ahead of us. so uh, Yes, definitely. uh, Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Uh, Coming up on the show next week, uh, it it looks like – uh, we've got, uh, uh, and again, it's it's. I've got Tony is the name. I, his last name is escaping me at the moment, but I know this this gentleman um, is involved in education and is is blowing the lid off of education. Is involved in in quite a few things, um, and, and we've got uh, a, a ton of stuff that's going to be coming up with him. So we're super super excited to have him on the show next week. I'll have more information as we get going. Uh, But we're at the final minute, the final time. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Work-Life Balance. We super appreciate all of our listeners, and uh, we'll talk again next week. You've been listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.